Welcome to the Jazz Shapers podcast from Mishkondorea. What you're about to hear was originally broadcast on Jazz FM. However, the music has been cut or shortened due to rights issues. This is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. Listening colour. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Good morning, this is Jazz Shapers. It's where the shapers of business meet the shapers of jazz, soul and blues. And I'm very pleased to say that my guest today is Mark Wright, the founder, indeed the co-founder along with Lord Alan Sugar and director of Climb Online, a results-driven digital marketing agency. Born in Australia, Mark moved to the UK in 2012 with just, it says here, £172. That is very precise. And he found a position selling digital advertising services. In 2014, he pitched his business Climb Online to Alan Sugar on the BBC's Apprentice and watched by millions, he went on to win the series. That couldn't have been easy. We'll talk a little bit about that. The impact was huge. As Mark says, some of the top companies in the world would work with us and we wouldn't have been able to build the company so quickly without the show. It's been a life changer, really. Climb Online services, including social media, content creation, paid media, as well as search engine optimization, have attracted clients such as Emirates, Hewlett Packard and May.com. I'm sure you've heard of some of those. And in partnership with Lord Sugar, Adam's aim is to unleash the success and growth of businesses worldwide. I love that word, unleash. Whilst working towards one simple goal, scalable profit. We don't claim to have reinvented the wheel, says Mark, but we've certainly changed the game. We'll be talking to him in a few minutes about all of this, his plans for expansion and his passion to inspire entrepreneurs globally. No small thing to pack in before 10am. We've also got brilliant music to get your weekend on its feet from amongst others, B.B. King, Nina Simone and Aretha Franklin. That's today's Jazz Shapers, ladies and gentlemen. Here's Snarky Puppy with Thing of Gold. That was Snarky Puppy with Thing of Gold, and it was beautiful too. My business shaper, beautiful as well, is Mark Wright. He's the founder. I said co-founder because he was on that that program. I think it was Series 10. I think it was 2014. Um, and he was the winner, and he is right here with me now. And he is now, ladies and gentlemen, a successful entrepreneur. Hey, what an introduction. How are you? I know, it's always better, I think, to stop at the introduction. It's a bit like quit while you're ahead. Exactly. I might go now. We can make this the shortest program on Jazz Shapers (laughs) ever. Mark Wright, and there he is. And he's available for all sorts of things. Welcome. £172. What's that about? Well, thank you. It's good to be with you. Thank you for having me on here. I always listen to your station, particularly when I'm in the dentist. So anyone who's in the dentist chair right now, Hello, I'm always in your position listening to this station. Um, so 172 pounds, I went backpacking around the world on a two-year ticket. I got to Berlin in Germany and realized I'd run out of money. I needed to go to the closest town which spoke English, which was London. I got here, I was living just down the road in Victoria in the White Ferry House, and I looked in my bank account and I had 172 pounds. And in England, in London, that's not a lot of money. I quickly found out I needed to get a job pretty quickly. So I got a job as a digital marketing salesperson. Um, started selling that. I was working at one of the biggest companies in the country. I really disagreed with the way they treated their staff. I really disagreed with the way, the way they treated their customers. And we have a saying in Australia, don't get bitter, get better. So if you think you can do something better than someone else, go out and do it. So I put together a business plan for what I thought would be the best digital marketing agency in the UK. 
I took it to four high street banks for a £25,000 loan. But because I'm not from the UK, I'm from Australia, they wouldn't even open an account for me. So I went on The Apprentice. <laughs> and, and applying for The Apprentice, I, I, I look at it and I just think it's a bit like Big Brother, but much worse. Because yeah. the pain just doesn't stop, and you have to do stuff that you also have. But you're also being judged on your brain. You're also being given unrelenting and unfair feedback in front of people. I mean, it's properly humiliating. Yeah. But you got through that. I mean, when you applied for it, did you think, "Oh, it's just worth a go," or, you, or did you did you think it through? I'd never seen the show before. A much better way, because if you'd have seen the show, you probably wouldn't have applied. You're probably quite right, um, uh, because I'm a real business person. <laughs> um, yeah. ooh, um, I think that I'd never heard of start Lord Sugar was. Uh, yeah. I hadn't seen the program. Lord Sugar hates when I say that, by the way. It's okay. Uh, You're not the only one. There's yeah. plenty of people that haven't heard of Lord Sugar. <laughs> Maybe he should join me here on Jazz Shapers in 2020. We'll see what Yes, we can exactly. Do. Uh, so I went down to the tryouts with one of my friends who was trying out. Uh, and there were 75,000 people there, um, which it was just the most crazy experience. That was I didn't realize it was so popular. I didn't think so many people would be trying out. Um, but I'm really competitive. So they got me in an environment against thousands of other people. And we get, went to an 11-story building, and they eliminate half the people at each level of the building. So th- the competition was starting to just warm up, and I got so into it. And uh, uh, going from the sort of 70,000 to the final 1,000 to the final 100, I thought, God, this is getting pretty close. I might actually get onto this program here. They called me into the final 20 and onto the show, onto the first call of the show. And I thought I then went back and watched some of the previous series to see what I was in for. And I established a pattern. I went onto Wikipedia. I looked at Hall of Winners where I went back and watched their journey throughout the program. And I was trying to look for a pattern in what Alan Sugar looks for in the winners. And I discovered that if you can get through the first week, the first week's like Russian roulette. He doesn't know who anyone is. They just have to fire someone. So the person who goes in the first week of the show is pretty unlucky to my mind. It is a, is a bit of a gamble. But after that, you can establish rank amongst the other contestants. And also you can get known by Lord Sugar, Karen and, and Claude in my year, it was Nick Hewer. Um, so I knew if I could get through week one, I'd win based on the pattern I'd established from the previous series. And I was right. I, I got through the first week by not putting myself forward as project manager. Then I got on his radar and uh, bish, bosh, bang, 250 grand mentorship from Lord Sugar. And, and here we are. And here we are indeed. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is how you look at the way to increase your odds of success. That's proper analysis. Stay with me to find out what happened next when Mark Wright took the world by storm back then. But as since then, as he said, he's a serious business person. He's actually gone on and done something successful um, with his business and other interests too. Lots more coming up from him very shortly. Time for more music right now. It's B.B. King with Better Not Look Down. That was B.B. King with Better Not Look Down and Mark Wright. He's now my business shaper here today, but he was on The Apprentice all those years ago, and it sounds like he played it well, to say the least. Tell me about the uh, why digital marketing back then, before we, you then launched your business, I think, in 2015. W- was it just because you ended up in a digital sales job, or was there something about, you know what, this is the obvious thing to do for a, a person like you? Um, 
Well, to be honest, it chose me in a way, and I think all good careers, and you shouldn't stop searching for a career or a job until you find out that you're really good at something, you're the best at it, and when you work there for a day, it doesn't feel like work. That's how you know when you're in the right career. It doesn't look like it now, but when I finished school, I was a personal trainer. Uh, I'm dyslexic. I can't read and write very well. I failed uh, at school. I was in the half of the class that made the top half possible. Um, And I finished school and I needed a job really quickly. And the quickest one I could get without qualifications was personal training. I started training one of the richest men in Australia. And I said to him, how do I get rich? I really want to be rich. I really want to be successful. He said, son, don't be a personal trainer. I said, well, how do I make money? He said, the people who make money are in sales and marketing. So I quit being a personal trainer and went to work at the college where I did my personal training certificate. And the college was going bankrupt. It only had uh, the first month I worked there, we got $2,000 in sales in Australian dollars. And I said to the owner, this is a really good product, but we need to get it in front of more people. And I said, how are you advertising? He said, we're in the yellow pages. I said, no one reads or looks at the yellow pages anymore. We need to be on Google. He said, I don't know anything about that. So I taught myself how to build a website and get his website up the rankings of Google. And in three months, we went to number one for the word personal training courses. And the turnover went from $2,000 to $240,000. And I kind of knew what my career was going to be. I'd found something that I enjoyed. I'd found something that I was good at. And I just think uh, there was lots of money to be made. And when you're good at something and you enjoy it, uh, it you, sh- you should pick doing that. Let me ask you about the money thing because I, I, I I've met lots and lots of people over the years and some people um, have a passion for something and then the money comes out the other end. Mm. Some people are also the other end of the spectrum and they just want the money. In your childhood, was there an absence of money? Was there a was there clarity that you had to go and earn money? Where does that that desire come from to have your own so that you're independent? Um, my parents are both working class uh, people. They both own their own businesses. So when I was at the dinner table in the evening, uh, there's no university degrees in my family. We would sit and my, I'd be hearing conversations like, how am I going to pay the wages this week? How am I going to pay the rent? Oh, John didn't turn up for work today, Sally's not turning up tomorrow, staff problems, all of these things. So that was the conversation that was going into me as a child. And to go to school, the school I wanted to go to, my mum had to work two jobs. So she'd work a day in her hairdressing business that she she owned, and then she'd work at McDonald's as a cleaner in the evening. And I remember one moment is burned into my brain as I went to the McDonald's and my mum was cleaning the tables and I thought to myself, I'm going to get old and rich so my mum doesn't have to clean tables at McDonald's. And actually, I still think about that today. And um, I don't know, that's probably a key to it. Um, Since I've been in the job for so long and own so many businesses, money's now not so much of a problem. And I don't think about money anymore. I think about creating things, creating jobs, creating a brand, creating a legacy. So the money was a a driver really early on for me. And now the drivers have changed. And when did those drivers start to change? Was it when the money became less of an issue? Or was there, were there other <laughs> epiphanies, if you like, on the way, Mark? When you're a young boy like I was, I think you think that fame and money can answer a lot of problems. I've been very lucky early on in my life to have a bit of fame and a bit of money. And what you really quickly learn is neither of them solves anything. And I hope that everyone in life, if they want fame and money, 
gets it because you quickly realize that doesn't answer anything. That feeling good is comes from within yourself and creating and helping others. And I was very fortunate to learn that early on. And uh, since doing that and creating things, I've made more money than I would have if I chased the money. Stay with me to find out more from my very honest guest, Mark Wright. He's the founder of Climb Online, along with a certain Lord Sugar, who neither of us have heard of. Um, He'll be (laughs) back in a couple of minutes, but first we're going to hear from one of our uh, partners at Mishkondorea, and they've got some advice for your business. Hi, I'm Laura Chandler. I'm a partner in the corporate team at Mishkondorea, and I head up our reorganisation and restructuring team. So why might you want to undertake a reorganisation or restructuring? There's a whole host of reasons, but some of the more likely ones are in preparation of a sale of the group or the business, or part of your group or business, for operational reasons. It might be to split the ownership, whether because of litigation, divorce, or just because. Or for tax planning reasons, such as inheritance tax planning. Careful planning is essential when undertaking a reorganisation. Some things that you want to think about are, where does everything sit now? Where do you want it to sit going forward, and why? What is your primary goal in undertaking the reorganisation? Also consider speaking to an expert to make sure that it's done in the most tax-efficient fashion. And what are the common pitfalls in undertaking a reorganisation? There are many, but here are just a few. Not fully preparing. Not taking the bank along with you so that they understand what you're doing and why. You might have charges or other security in place which needs releasing in order to undertake the reorganisation. Not having all of the shareholders fully on board, this can lead to delay and frustrations on all sides. And also timing. Think about whether there's anything time critical that has to be undertaken. And if so, factor that into your timetable. In essence, it's all in the planning and making sure you take the right advice early. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business but it's personal. You can enjoy all our former jazz shapers and indeed hear this programme again with Mark, the Mark Wright, not the other Mark Wright, or even the other one. And all you have to do is ask Alexa to play jazz shapers and there you can hear many of the recent programmes. Or if you pop jazz shapers into iTunes or your preferred podcast platform, then the full archive awaits you. And that's around 400 fantastic guests. And that's incredible. And we're going to have even more by the end of 2020. But back to today's business shaper, founder and director of Climb Online. It's Mark Wright. It's a, and they are, they say, a results-driven digital marketing agency. I want to jump forward to launching this business. And um, in my own working life, I'm very familiar with all the different bits of kits that digital agencies might sell clients. Yeah. Um, what differentiates the way that you deliver your services? Because for in, for those people that don't know, there are a range of services in your business, sure. and they go from from search engine optimization through to amplifying content. I'm sure Correct. building websites, maybe some e-commerce stuff. There's all those things in there. You and probably thirty or forty other yous are offering just the same thing to big businesses. So, yep. what distinguishes Mark and his team? I think. The reason I got into this is exactly because there was 30 or 40 people offering ex- the same thing. And, I and was, I'm saying that at the top end, obviously there's hundreds, There's, there's, there's 3,000 registered Google partners in the UK at the yeah. moment. Uh, and you've probably, if you're listening to this and have a business, you get emails from India, from China, from Pakistan, uh, from uh, companies in the UK. And the thing that I discovered, people weren't tying the results back to the sales it was generating. We go in and have genuine business conversations with customers and say, we ask, we're going to ask you to spend X and we're going to produce you Y. And if we don't produce it, you don't have to pay. 
And I was the first person to ever do that. And it made a lot of enemies in the industry because I believe if you're not provided a service and you don't receive results, you shouldn't have to pay for them. And uh, I made a lot of enemies and uh, I'm not welcome at many business conferences in my sector, but actually I've created one of the fastest growing and most successful companies in the sector by being honest to people and providing a good service and good results. And it's worked so far and we've attracted some big names. And you're across the country as well. Yes. Um, what's the logic of that? Because often, again, there are very London-focused kind of businesses, but you, I think, have gone to Bristol, you're in Manchester. Correct, yeah. Uh, and I'm obviously there are huge amounts of businesses around the country, but you've chosen to invest. I believe that local people in this country particularly focus on one city called London. And there are amazing businesses and amazing entrepreneurs all around the country. And people like to work with local businesses. And I think so far, you know, I'm an internet business, but we use the internet as an excuse not to connect personally with people. And I believe offering the best service and a human touch, no matter what business you're in, creates a better customer service and a higher retention of customers and better results for the customer. So by having local hubs, we call them, we're able to offer a better service and a more personal service. And it's something that a lot of people have forgotten about. Most agencies are creating one business in the uh, center of each country, might be America, Australia, and the UK, and forgetting about towns like Leeds, Manchester, Bristol, whatever it might be. And even in this country, you know, you've got Scotland and uh, Wales and Ireland, Northern Ireland, which have incredible companies where we've been able to get some really big campaigns and have tremendous results because they've just been forgotten by the traditional London agencies. And in terms of you, you talk about clients needing personal touch and, yes. and that, and that does, as a, a distinction, and that's very, that's absolutely true. It must be right. For you running this business now as the boss, yes. moving away from the quote unquote the fame bit and then the money bit and there's a bit of oh isn't that the guy from Lord Sugar now yeah. it's the serious stuff the doors yeah. are shut yeah. you've got real conversations with real people who are depending on you to ensure that they can earn enough money to go off and live their lives what is your own style how do you go to market uh, in terms of my management of my yeah. people uh, I'm an I try to make everyone who I work with at any point in their career a better better person. I try and refine anyone I work with. We talk about quality. I like things done properly and quickly. And I think speed is a currency that we work in. And if you were to talk to my staff, they would probably say I'm a pretty tough manager because I believe in my people in a lot of times more than they believe in themselves. And I want people to think of me not as a good guy, but respect me when they go and go, I learn a lot from him. Um, so... I haven't really answered your question. I'd say I'm a tough manager because I want the best for my clients and my reputation and um, Lord Sugar's reputation is really important to me. So the quality of the work that we produce has to be five stars. Um, so I'm hard on my people, but I make them better and we make our clients happy. On the impact of being on telly and then having Lord Sugar as a mentor, I asked the question about you being in behind closed doors and what's the reality of you managing people. What's the reality of the conversations you have where Lord Sugar, as a co-investor, mm. as a co-founder, is giving you business advice? Strip away the fact that cameras are looking. Strip away the microphone and it's just you and him. Mm. What's that like? Uh, what doesn't come across on The Apprentice is just how wealthy he is and just how many business he, he has. I didn't understand he is a really successful businessman. 
and working in his offices, which I did for the first year following the program, you get an understanding of how much he's actually achieved, particularly through Amstrad and through commercial property development in the UK. The other thing you I didn't really comprehend is he comes across tough on the TV. He is 10 times as tough in real life. I've never met a more hard-nosed, tough business person, full stop. He is incredibly straight talking. He's incredibly uh, ruthless um, in his, you know, in the way his day-to-day dealings are. And I have learnt a lot from him. And probably not in the lessons he so much has given me, but watching him conduct himself around the the office is is quite incredible. He he has had employees that have worked with him for 50, 55 years, and he walks into the room and there's silence, there's cereal bowls going under the desks, people sit up straight, the mobile phones are gone. He still has the fear in the people 40 or 50 years after they've started working with him. Uh, it's pretty incredible. And um, he, uh, he knows what he's talking about when it comes to business. In terms of the fear, though, obviously, look, people are intellectually intimidating. They're intimidating because they're successful. They're intimidating just because they know stuff about whatever it is that they're talking about. That only lasts for so long. I mean, mm. if someone's really nasty to you, you're not going to want to work with them. No. You just mentioned the fact that there's huge loyalty. Yeah. And here you are now, four or five years you know, later, having started, I mean, knowing him then and now in the business. Why does the combination of fear and loyalty come together? What is it that makes the, that the sense of being with him not so uncomfortable that you don't want to come back again. Because I think he never says anything that's not uh, not true. I think if you are a bully and you're just mean to people for the sake of it, you are, you're just saying things to be nasty or be a tough guy. What I have found with Lord Sugar is he's very loyal, he's very tough, but he's very fair and he's very honest. And there's also stories of you know employees that are in his employment that have gotten fallen ill and he has paid for their cancer treatment privately, you know, 40, 50, 60,000 pounds, and he's just written a check and paid for it, and he's looked after their families and their friends and all of that stuff, but under the condition that nobody knows about. I think deep down, he's actually a good guy. Um, And I think more than anything, when you're working in a company that's always moving forward, that's investing in new ideas, new businesses, there's always new companies and new entrepreneurs walking around. It's an exciting environment and he's tough, but he gets results. If he was just tough and the business was going backwards and he was bullying people, uh, I don't think it would work. So I think that beneath it all, he has a strategy uh, and a reason to why he is like he is. Stay with me for my final chat with Mark today. Plus, we'll be playing a track from Aretha Franklin, and that's all coming up in just a moment. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mish Kondorea. It's business, but it's personal. That was the incredibly uplifting, and I don't think I've heard that before, ridiculously, rock steady from the Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin. This is Jazz Shapers. You're here on Jazz FM with me, Alec Moss. Just for a few more minutes, I'm with Mark Wright, and we've been talking about fame, money, serious business, uh, Lord Sugar, and all sorts. A couple more questions for you. The first one is, 
you were very complimentary about Lord Sugar and you talked about his toughness. What's the difference? How are you different to him in the way that you conduct yourself? I got the tough bit and you've obviously picked that up from him and the hard-nosed bit, you obviously picked that up from him or, or indeed you felt comfortable bringing that part of your personality. Where do you diverge? I think we're, we're very similar in a lot of respects. And in a way, I think that's why he chose me to be his business partner. I think we're both good salesmen. I think we're both ambitious. I think we're both hard-nosed. I think we take a lot of risks. I also think if you have a, any millionaire, billionaire, entrepreneur, whatever it is, those are pretty common crossovers uh, in, in a lot of them. I think where we we go, uh, we kind of cross over and where I'm a slightly a bit different is I'm a lot more personable. I would say as an individual, I think I, um, I, I'm a bit more soft when it comes to the relationships that I have and I allow into my, into my life, whether that's good or whether it's a bad thing. And I, I'm a bit more flexible in, in my day-to-day dealings. I think uh, Lord Sugar's got a pretty ri- rigid way that he runs his, his life and his diary and, uh, um, and stuff. And I'm a bit more easy come, easy go. And actually, I found that having that approach is part of my personality, but it's brought me a lot of success. And I think being a nice bloke is, if I can be remembered for anything, I think that would be one of the most important things to me because how you make other people feel um, is how they remember you, not how much money you've made them. Mm. Um, although I'm going to quote you something. You said something back a, a few months ago in the national press. I think oh, that'll be good. This will be good. No, this is good. It's nice okay. because you're, you're, you're a man after my own heart. You described <laughs> yourself as a diary nerd. Um, I believe that you make program, uh, you program your week ahead every Sunday, make yes. time for gym sessions, yes. socializing. Yes. I do the same, and it's a good thing. If you don't put it in, it doesn't happen. Yes. You've got to be, you have the old cliche above your bed, don't write it down, doesn't happen. I, I don't do that. What gets measured gets achieved. Yeah, and all that stuff. Yeah. But, but I, I, I quite like that you do that because I think otherwise life doesn't quite work the right way for you. If that's true and you give yourself uh, time in your diary, is that how you manage to now look at property? Because I believe you're looking at other, you're diversifying a little bit. Great research. Uh, yeah, we have very good research. Yeah, wow. I know. I, it's, they're brilliant. In fact, they should be here. Unbelievable. Because I know they're very, they're very, they're, they're sneaky. They find all sorts of things out. But is that how you find the time? Is yeah. it because you literally go, those four hours is going to be for me to think about that new business? Because this, my organization now is because of the mistakes I made early on in my career. When I first started my first company, <clears throat> I was working crazy hours. What came along with working crazy hours is eating poorly, not sleeping much, drinking too much, uh, doing all the wrong things. And my health was declining. My business was super successful, by the way, but my health and my lifestyle was going down the toilet. So I did a lot of things in time management. I looked at health and work-life balance and stuff that probably Lord Sugar would turn his nose up, but it's really gave me an incredible life now. Every Sunday, I plan my diary a week in advance. So I look at when I'll go to the gym, when I'll see my friends and family, when I'll sit particular meetings, and when I'll just have time where there's no schedule, time to just be me. And I've done that really successfully. And my company's actually more successful from ever from doing that, but I feel a lot better sitting here than I did in the first couple of years starting the company. It's been really nice talking to you, Mark. Thank you for having me. Uh, you you're evidently doing real things, which is great. It isn't just the puff of the, the television program. I think what I've, I've learned today is that there's serious substance underneath that, and that's a good thing. Really good luck with everything. Just before I say au revoir, uh, what's your song choice and why have you chosen it? Oh, well, this was so easy. Coming to Jazz FM, 
um, to pick uh, one of my favourite jazz songs. And of course, it has an entrepreneurial root. Uh, one of my favourite films, if not my favourite, is Whiplash, um, a, a film that shows a young man's journey becoming a drummer in a jazz band and uh, how tough it is right at the top of this industry. So my song is Whiplash. That was Hank Levy with Whiplash, the song choice of my business shaper today, Mark Wright. He was mature in his approach to the fame and the money. There was no sense that he would get seduced by that. He was also very substantive, someone who really wanted to be and is indeed a successful business person. And just like his mentor, just like his co-founder, a very driven young man, someone who wants to work hard, someone who's got a very strong work ethic and is doing really well. That's it from Jazz Shapers. Have a great weekend. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. We hope you enjoy that edition of Jazz Shapers. You'll find hundreds more guests available for you to listen to in our archive. To find out more, just search Jazz Shapers in iTunes or your favourite podcast platform or head over to mishkon.com forward slash jazz shapers. <laughs>